Welcome to KathleenWitten.org. We believe that Kathleen's message will inspire you, encourage you, and give you a fresh perspective on life. Now, here's Kathleen. We're doing a series called Personal Permanent Change, and I explained last time that that's kind of a fallacy because you can't personally permanently change to be the person that you were created to be. And that was kind of the subtitle was, and finally be the person you were created to be. And I did that on purpose because that's kind of a good draw, but at the same time, it's not really real because we're not going to really be the person that we were totally created to be until we get to heaven. And until then, it's somewhat of a struggle. We're always changing. We're always growing. And interestingly enough, we're either growing closer to God or growing further away from God. As humans, we get the perception that we can kind of reach adulthood and and stay still, but we really don't. I mean, I know in my own life, it's been very true that I'm either completely going towards God or going away from him. And that is how we go. And so it's important for us at least to know that we can change from glory to glory. But even though we can't be exactly who God wants us to be on this earth, we'll never be perfect. We won't attain to some kind of a perfectionism until we get to heaven. We can change from glory to glory. And that scripture in Second Corinthians 3.18 says, With we all, with unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord, we are being transformed in the same image from glory to glory, just as by the Spirit of the Lord. And this is a choice, though. Just talking about how Joshua said, you can serve the gods of your fathers, or you can serve the gods of this land, basically. I'm kind of paraphrasing. But as for me and my house, we'll serve the Lord. And it's a choice, but it's also like a daily choice. And it's a daily choice for us to change from glory to glory and become more and more like Jesus or for us to become more and more like our, our old selfish selves, which we can be really quickly. I mean, it doesn't take very long. It's amazing. It's like in, if you ever start thinking that you've really changed for good or you're a good person, just stay out of the word for a little while. And if no one else you know, says anything, maybe you won't know it for a while. It's just kind of like the example I gave of Lacey's shirt at the um, at the coast where Maddie and Storm and, and I were all like, oh my gosh, something died in the lobby. And Lacey kept thinking, what is that? And we finally said, dad, oh my gosh, you know, it's your shirt. And we laugh about that, but that is a great example because we oftentimes are the exact same way. And I know I am. We can choose who we will be, and I can tell you it's interesting. You will know what you're going to become more like or what you're going to be akin to or become more the same as or the image as by what you serve because whoever or whatever you serve, you will become more like that thing. If you serve material Ism, I mean, you will just have to bow down to it and put your life into it, and some people do. I mean, and it's that's all they know to do, and that's not a any comment on them. It just, to me, it makes me sad because that's all that they think there is. And if you want to serve um, the whole Hollywood scene and, and how you look and staying a certain age or staying youthful, then you have to put all your all into that. 
Um, if you want to serve Jesus, then you're going to put your all into that. Whatever you serve, though, you know what you serve by what you sacrifice for. What do you sacrifice for? Seriously. I mean, what do you spend time on? What do you spend money on? Because that's what you serve. And that's kind of like, wow, are you trying to point to me? No, I'm thinking about me too. I mean, whatever you put time into and money into is what you really think is valuable because those are your two most valuable commodities on this earth. And so you have to think, well, what do I serve really? And whatever we serve is what we become more like. Whatever we serve, we become more a servant of that thing, but also the image of that thing. And if we serve Jesus and we serve the Word of God and we spend time in the Word of God, we become more like the Word of God. It's not that we pray, you know, every Sunday, okay, God, help me be a better Christian, and then we go off and just leave the Word and, and go off on our own way and serve the workplace or serve our boss or serve what people think or people's opinion or personal um, goals or finances or whatever it might be. Everybody has different things that they can hold up as God. And um, we all have we all have that. If you let us go by ourselves, we all have that. Believe me. At least believe me for me, because I know I can go off in wild directions. And it's only till I read the Word that I kind of get the mirror in my face where I'm like, wow, I'm supposed to look wow, is that me for real, you know, and it's, it's like the good Jesus holds up this mirror, and it finally makes me realize, you know, this is really where I'm going, this is what I'm becoming, and I don't realize it until the Word shows me what I'm really supposed to be like, and I think that's interesting that Second Corinthians 3.18 says that we all with unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror, the glory of the Lord, are being transformed in the same image from glory to glory, just as by the Spirit of the Lord. So that tells me volumes, first of all, that it's really the Spirit of the Lord that transforms us. And we have to decide, you know, who am I going to serve today? Are you going to serve the gods of your fathers? Are you going to serve the gods of the country you now live? Or are you going to serve the Lord First of all, you have to decide today. And then it's not a one-time decision. It's a daily decision. Daily, daily, daily. Because daily, 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 we choose who we're going to serve. Um, a lot of people can say, you know, I used to serve the Lord, and I was so much happier then. Or I used to read the Word, and I was so much happier then. But whatever you do serve, if it's not God, I can promise you it's, it's not a good taskkeeper. I mean, if you think about trying to serve youth or, or beauty or Hollywood, um, at some point we all are going to be drinking prune juice. I mean, seriously. And it's not that we're going to be able to stop that process. And, and at some point you just have to kind of go, you know, this earth is kind of passing away and we need to just realize that this is where we are and this is not it, and Jesus is eternal, and maybe I need to kind of shift my perspective a little bit because I realize my time and my money are not spent in eternal things, and I'm not serving eternity. I'm not serving God, and it's not showing in my life because I'm becoming more and more like me. And you know what? That's a bad thing. I mean, not to insult anybody, but becoming more and more like you is not a good thing. It's really like you smell and you don't know it. Do you know what I'm saying? And you've been around yourself so much that you're used to it, and it's just like that example I gave of Lacey 
he packs so few things. And for those of you that hadn't heard the story, it's not very complicated, but he wore the same like wicks away moisture, quote unquote, shirt for like three days at the coast. <laughs> it's really humid down there. And so he's like in and out of the salt water. And then he carried all these canoes in for um, a friend of storms and storm. And then I met him in the lobby with the kids, and all of a sudden I was like, something has died in this lobby. And then after a while he was like, oh my gosh, something has died in the lobby. And I finally just said, it is your shirt. And it was just hugely embarrassing. It was also embarrassing that it took him another full minute to recognize that it was him. And he will laugh. He will laugh at himself. He will laugh at this. But we all made him go change because, I mean, just think, you stink when you don't really get in the word. Other people smell you first, you know, because we all think we're fine. Oh, I'm fine, you know. No, you're not. You really need Jesus. We all need him. We all need him so much. The Spirit of the Lord is what changes us in Second Corinthians 3.18. Now, the Lord is the Spirit, and when the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty, there is freedom. I love those scriptures. 2 Corinthians 3.17, now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit is, there is liberty. And one thing I love about those scriptures is, like, for instance, I was a little late tonight because I've made a decision, maybe through the things that I've gone through, I don't know, but to invest in relationships. And I used to be invested in lists, like where I checked off lists, and I, as many things as I could get done in one day, that was a good day. And now I'm more invested in relationships, so I was talking to my 22-year-old niece over in Gelatas and realized it is 6.20, oh my goodness, so I've got to be downtown. So I was late tonight, but the Spirit of the Lord is what changes us, and it transforms us, and it's our relationship with the Spirit of the Lord that really transforms us and changes us. It's spending time with God, not going, I'm going to change against the Bible and answer these questions for a Bible study. It's time spent. It's what is it costing you? It's a sacrifice. It's a relationship. And and it's time with the Lord. And then the Lord changes us. And I don't know if you've ever tried to change yourself, but it's actually harder than trying to change someone else, which is really hard. I can't remember the name of the comedian, but he said that raising teenagers was like nailing jello to a tree, which I think changing yourself is like nailing jello to a tree and then a friend of mine was in the publishing business and I won't say who said it but a writer here in San Antonio said that and he's male so I don't know how he would know this but he said that publishing is like giving birth to barbed wire and I thought you know trying to change yourself is like giving birth to barbed wire there is nothing more frustrating and if you find yourself using the word frustrating frustrated I'm frustrated frustrating this is frustrating then probably you don't have the Spirit of the Lord with you very much. And sometimes we can get into that place and not realize, you know, the most frustrating thing is our own flesh, our own self. And changing someone else is frustrating, but trying to change yourself is even more frustrating. Especially, what if, you know, Lacey's recognized, okay, I need to wash this shirt, and then he wasn't able to change it, you know? I mean, we need to be able to take stuff off, clean it, throw it in the wash, forget about it, put something else clean on. And God allows us to do that every day. He allows us to change and change and change. And he wants us to change from glory to glory. And again, 
you don't just stand still as a Christian. Sometimes as adults, we think, well, as an adult, I'm this way or I'm that way. Well, if you're a Christian, you're either moving forward or you're going backwards. And if you're going backwards, I can promise you, if you don't know what other people do, and I don't say that because I think they're judgmental or I think they should be judgmental. I'm just saying that we are supposed to have the aroma, the fresh fragrance of Jesus Christ. When you walk into a room, when you walk into a situation, do you carry that with you? Or do people go, oh, what just came in the room? You know, what just entered the lobby? And so we need to be able to represent Jesus and have that just aroma of God with us, that, that newness that we leave almost every place that we are better and leave people feeling more encouraged and better and not discouraged and frustrated and downtrodden, which is what we usually do when we try to pee other people's Holy Spirit anyway. That's just kind of an overview a little bit of what I've been talking about, and tonight I was thinking, how do you change? And I've always believed that if you're going to do anything, it takes action. So I was just thinking of the acronym of action, not trying to be simple or anything like that, but A-C-T-I-O-N. And God just said admit. That's the first thing. A-C-T-I-O-N, admit, action, number one. It takes action, but admitting is action. We went to um, the rodeo. We didn't go to the actual rodeo rodeo, but we went to, like, the grounds and went to this little auction thing. And um, But we had to have a ticket, like admit one. And I thought, that's so interesting. You know, it's like the ticket to freedom is admit. That's so our ticket to freedom. And yet we can't admit unless we are humble. Because pride says, oh, I don't need really anything. I'm fine. I really am fine, but you need to change. I mean, if you ever want to know if you're prideful or not, it's like, do you interrupt people all the time? And I'm not talking about if people talk too slow, because everyone knows that Lacey talks too slow, and that's why I have to interrupt him. Just kidding. Do you interrupt people? Are you blind to your own faults? Are you, you know, talking about what is wrong with other people? Or are you saying, God, please change me? Are you focused on God's word? Are you focused on what other people should be doing? Do you say sentences like, well, if I were them, I would. I mean, that's pride. That's all pride. And we need to be thinking, like, if Jesus were in this situation, what would he do? And if I were more like Jesus, then I could make more of a difference in this situation. Otherwise, it's like the house of mirrors. And Lacey and I didn't go to the carnival. Lacey's not a big, like, carnival person. So we kind of avoided the carnival. But Maddie went to this house of mirrors and kept bumping into mirrors because they had put them in an angle and in a lighting that you couldn't tell what was a hall and what was a mirror. And I thought, that is so like life. And it is frustrating. It's like running into walls when we try to do stuff without the Holy Spirit. When we decide that we're going to change or we're going to change someone else or we're going to be better or, okay, the the word says change from glory to glory, so I'm going to do it. And it's like bumping into walls. We don't have any clarity. We don't have any direction. We really don't know what's a mirror and what's a hallway. And it's only until we can really get into the word that we have that freedom and that space to really see this is my reflection against Christ's reflection. And now I have the clarity to see what really is not right. Because as long as we compare ourselves to other people, we're always going to be better than someone. 
you know? I mean, just admit it. You'll find someone that's worse than you and then go, well, at least I'm better than so-and-so. Well, who cares? That didn't have anything to do with anything. That didn't have anything to do with anything, and you just judged them. And that's pride. I mean, how sad to say that you think you're better than so-and-so, and you just judge them, and that's pride, so you just denounced yourself. I mean, if we really thought about what we were doing, we would just think, oh, I'm the silliest person in the world, and I keep doing the same thing, you know? Sometimes we just need to laugh. We need to throw the shirt in the washer and put something clean on and realize that with pride, we're not going anywhere. And not only that, God which this scares me, he says himself that he sets himself against the proud. Now, I don't mean, I don't want any kind of person in authority against me, but if I could pick a person, I would think God would be the worst person to have actually set against you. Can you imagine him thwarting everything, thwarting blessings and standing in your way of understanding and really being set against you. And I just was going to share these scriptures not because I want to read all of them, but because it is so amazing when you get into the Word and really gaze into the mirror of truth, what you see. And these are scriptures about the humble and how it's so worth being humble and admitting. Again, to admit that you're wrong, to admit that you need to change takes humility. And yet that's our ticket to freedom. Taking that humility and saying, here's my ticket, and then that enters us into this much larger place of freedom. And where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And freedom to me is like the opposite of frustration. Frustration is the carnival house of mirrors where you can't get out. I mean, you just think you're going somewhere and you're not, and you take another turn and you're not, and you take another turn and you're not. That, to me, is frustration. Freedom is this wide open place where you feel that you can be who God created you to be and less like who maybe you created you to be because we all kind of have our own self-creation and we don't understand why we don't like ourselves or why we're discontent or why we're always needing to have on the radio or the TV or whatever. And a lot of times it's because we don't like to be alone with ourselves. We realize, oh my gosh, you know, I kind of stink. Um, Psalm 18:27 verses about humility. You save the humble, God, but bring low those whose eyes are haughty. Psalm 25, 9 says, God guides the humble in what is right and teaches them his way. Psalm 147.6 says that the Lord sustains the humble. And I mean, I need sustaining. I don't know about you, but I need sustaining daily, daily, daily. And God promises to sustain you, but he doesn't promise to sustain the proud. He says, but cast the wicked to the ground. And, you know, it's interesting, that word wicked. When I used to think of that, I used to think like Sodom and Gomorrah wicked, but Wicked, really, when you look at the definitions of words in the Bible, it can even be a derivative of just unbelief. That people who have unbelief are wicked. Because any of us without God, without the saving grace of Jesus Christ, are without that blood covering of Jesus Christ. And we still are with our sins. And it's 
a very human thing of any race, color, or creed to say, well, I'm better at least than so-and-so, you know? But that's not what God wants. He doesn't want there to be like a standard Mother Teresa and then everybody else just kind of fall under and then however it all lines up, just whoever you know, make sure you're better than them and then you're okay. Well, good grief. I mean, that's no inspiration. And that's not going to change the world. That's not even going to change us. That's going to make each of us just be more and more prideful and more and more judgmental. God tells us that he sets himself against the proud. And that is not something to take lightly. That is not something to take lightly at all. Because you will find in your life, honestly, that if you start saying or thinking the word frustration a lot, or running into dead ends, or you just don't feel that blessing on your life, you might want to wonder, has, has God loved me so much that he's not going to let me stay proud and, and you know, die in some kind of separation from him, whether it be eternal or temporal or whatever. I'm not saying that you'll lose your salvation. I'm just saying, you know, I think God loves us too much to leave us the way we are. I keep telling my nine-year-old that anyway. I'm like, I love you too much to not punish you. And he just looks at me like, Okay, that does not make sense. But I know it makes sense. And I keep saying, you don't understand. If I didn't care anything about you, I would just say, oh, just do whatever you want, you know. And God's the same way. He's like, I am going to pursue you. I'm going to roadblock you. I am going to hem you in. I am going to show you that you can't do this yourself and that you even don't even like you unless I'm in there somewhere. Because, see, our life is hidden in Christ anyway, the Word says. And so the real you is in Jesus. The stinky you is parading around and just, you don't know it. It's without Jesus. And sometimes we're just excited that we don't smell worse than someone else. And that's not anything to be excited about. You know, what if Lacey was in the lobby and said, yeah, but you know what, the guy at the canoe place, He's worse than me. It's really bad. I would have said, you know what? Dead animal smell is dead animal smell. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, please take a shower and please change. And that's really how we need to feel about our own flesh, our own things about us that we need to change. We need to say, you know, it doesn't matter what so-and-so's doing or what so-and-so's doing or how I compared to this. It's me. I want to make a difference in this world. I want to be God's fresh aroma. I want to be the perfume of Christ. I want people to be around me and, and be led to him. Not led to me, not led to my personality, not led to my cause or whatever, but led to Jesus, their own personal God and Savior. Proverbs 3.34 says that God mocks proud mockers but gives grace to the humble. And don't take that word grace lightly. Grace means God's power, God's favor, and God's blessings. It's not just grace like we're going to all hold hands around the dinner table and say grace. God is great. God is good. Now we thank you for our food. It's, it's, it's grace. It's power. God's power. Can you imagine? God's power and God's favor. That's when people might even like you that don't want to like you. Or you have some kind of a, a favor with certain personalities or people or kings or kingdoms because of the, the life 
journey that God has you on because of what you're supposed to do for him. And God does it. He just opens the doors and does what he needs to do. And that's God's favor. And then God's power, God's favor, God's blessing. I mean, you have to think grace. You don't want grace withheld from you. And yet he does withhold grace from the proud. He gives it to the humble. In Luke 148, if you've ever wondered, you know, why Mary? Because I've thought about that too. Like, of all the 13-year-old girls or 14, scholars say she's 13 or 14, but in that day that was the age of of, um, matrimony and having a baby. And why Mary? And it's kind of the same thing as why Moses? Because of humility. Even when God told her that she was going to carry his son, She says, he has been mindful of the humble state of his servant, and from now on, all generations will call me blessed. He had to pick someone who was humble. And I really think that's the key to conception. It's the key to conceiving the word of God, because if you're prideful, you see it through a different lens. When you start seeing it through God's lens of perfection, you start seeing yourself differently. When you start seeing it through your own lens, you know, we all look at ourselves through rose-colored glasses. We look at everyone else through a microscope, and we see every little fault that they have. As a matter of fact, I have this, like, mirror up in my bathroom that broke that was, it's like a 20 times, like, see yourself magnified 20 times. Lucy's like, I'm so glad that thing broke. I was like, why? And he was like, because I don't think anyone's supposed to see themselves 20 times what anyone can see to you. And I said, well, how am I going to tweeze my brows now? So I went and bought another one, which is only 15 times, and it has a light on it, so I'm excited about that. He was glad, and I understand what he's saying. We don't look at ourselves, and we don't like to look at ourselves in that much of a magnification, but that's what happens when we get into the Word. It's like you see yourself in the mirror not only 20 times, but a 1,000 times closer than you would see yourself in just your reflection in the world. And yet it can be freeing if we can invite the Spirit of the Lord in with humility and say, I can't do this. I can't change me. I mean, I know I can't change me. I can't even change this person, much less me. I mean, that's a lot of times why people try to change other people is because they can't change themselves. They get so frustrated. They're like, well, I think I'll work on you, you know. It's like, would you please start working on you again? I mean, I would be so happy. Just leave me alone. We need to realize that with God there's freedom. And the Holy Spirit, that ticket to freedom and to change is that admit one. Admit one. That's the number one thing. Admit. Admit that you are not perfect. Admit that you're a sinner. And you can't do that until, honestly, I can't, until I look in the Word. Because sometimes, again, and I sound like I'm repeating myself, but I think it's so important for us to hear this. We get so used to, as, as social beings, looking around each other. There's no such thing as average. With a Christian, there's no such thing as average. We're all to strive towards perfection. I do think there's something that we've gotten into in America about average. Oh, you're average. Okay, good. Instead of just, well, wait a minute. Try your hardest. Push your hardest. Be the best you can be. And then as a Christian, it's be the best 
that Christ will be in you as you change from glory to glory to glory to glory to glory. And you don't get to 50, 60, 70 and stop changing. You just don't. I remember, this was years ago, but a lady, I was saying to her, and I said, you know, why are some elderly people so nice and just super kind, and some of them are just mean? And she was like, well, whatever you were before, it gets exaggerated when you get older. Because, see, you get to that place where you do become what you've sown your whole life, and you do naturally become that which you have taken in. It's just like the scripture that out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Well, out of the abundance of, of our words, our life is also manifested. And so we realize that whatever we have served, let me say again, whatever you've spent your time and your money in, just know that that's what you're on the road to becoming. We had one of those little family conversations on Sunday that you think, I don't know, on my sticky papers and when I was writing out scriptures for, you know, Lacey and myself and the children, it was a really beautiful family conversation. Well, <laughs> when we finally had it, it was like one child left the room, one child laid on the floor and fell asleep, and the other child came back in, and then there was like an hour and a half of arguing, and then I think it all finally sunk in, but it was just nothing like I wanted to say cut, rewind, we're starting over, this is not the beautiful harmony that I thought it was going to be. It's interesting how real life works its way out that way sometimes. You just have to kind of like get through the birth pains. And it has really been a profitable and exciting thing to see both of the kids manifesting the changes of these scriptures, not as I've stepped them down their throat, but as I've been praying them over them. See, again, the Spirit of the Lord brings freedom and change, and that is not something that we can do for ourselves or for someone else. Mary said, he has been mindful of the humble state of his servant. I think that's really interesting that, have you ever stopped and thought, God is mindful of what state you're in? Because we're not always mindful of what state we're in. We're so busy, we don't think about, you know, am I in a place of humility where I can literally conceive the word of God, the seed of God, like Mary did, literally conceiving God's seed? I think, why did God pick Mary? Because humility conceives. See, humility has its hands out. Humility reaches out. But, you know, pride is like a closed fist to heaven. Like, I am something, and I deserve something, and it's more of an entitlement. And God can't really give blessings to someone with a closed fist. So it's interesting that even now, as, as you're hearing this, God is mindful of what state you're in. And we can change that state by just saying, God, you know, I'm hearing this, and I'm now mindful of it, and I realize I've been pretty prideful lately, and I've not been sacrificing anything to spend time with you or be in your word. I've just been trying to cram it all in so I could sacrifice to serve this other God or idol, and I really, really, really need you. I need you to change me. I've been frustrated, and I realize that I've been banging my head against a house of mirrors, and I want to get out. I want freedom. And God is faithful to do that. 
he is so faithful. When we're humble, it's amazing how just this flood of relief will come over us than when we're setting ourselves literally against God. And talk about frustration. I mean, the one who created the universe and we're his creation and we're setting ourselves against the creator, that's just not very smart. I mean, it reminds me of when Beth came to this class the first time, there was a really sweet lady, but she thought that Beth was someone else. And Beth finally said, I'm not the person that you think you're talking to or something to that effect. And sometimes we realize, I'm not the person that I thought I was even talking to God to. I mean, I was praying, and I was doing the right thing, and I just kind of realized, I look in the mirror of the Word, and I'm like, wow, I didn't even realize that. I mean, I could see other people's faults. I just couldn't see mine. And I didn't realize that God himself would set himself against me if I walk in pride and I don't admit, that admitting is literally my ticket, not just to the rodeo, not just to the circus, not just to the movie theater, but literally a ticket that Christ has already paid for to freedom, to having the Holy Spirit change us from glory to glory. Luke one fifty two says, God has brought down rulers from their thrones, but he has lifted up the humble. That God is literally the lifter of our heads. He lifts up the humble. James 4, 6 says, But he, God, gives us more grace. That's power and favor and blessing. And that's why the scripture said God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. And that speaks volumes to me. He gives grace to the humble. He gives power and blessings. He gives freedom You know, when I think of the word frustrated, too, I think of that trapped feeling. Like you can't go forward, you can't go backwards, you don't know where to go, you don't know where to turn left or right, and if you do, you're just trapped. And it's that frustration of like, oh, you know, things are not changing, they're not budging. And sometimes we need to just look and say, am I in a position of humility here, or am I approaching this with pride? Am I approaching this like, God, you're right? Or am I approaching this as like, Kathleen, you're right? Because when I approach situations like, Kathleen, you're right, then I am really in a place to fall because God loves me so much, he's going to correct me. And only as an adult do I realize that. I know that it's hard for a nine-year-old to wrap his brain around, you know, like, you're punished because I love you. That's really hard to understand. But when you get to be older, you realize, wow, you know, if God didn't love me, he would just leave me alone. And he would just kind of let me go my merry way and have this great life, you know? So this is a good scripture for me, for Lacey, for all of us, especially with, I know that that word, smell or stink, that doesn't, it's not like a real proper word, but it really gives a good impact into what I'm saying because sin really does. And it not only does, it rubs up on other people. Have you ever noticed that you can't like give someone else health? Like I was around so-and-so and I'm just caught health, you know, you can only give them a virus, you know, or you could only be around someone who maybe doesn't smell so good like a dirty diaper and then smell bad, but you can't go, gosh, I smell so clean 
You might smell like somebody's perfume, but you don't smell clean. And so we need to realize that whatever we are, we are emitting that to the people around us, especially the people that we love. So if not wanting to change for ourselves to be more like Jesus and wanting to change to please the Father, would you just want to change so you don't stink up your whole house, please? Because it's everyone around you, and it affects the entire body of Christ. That's what I tell Christians when they come to pray, and a lot of times they'll just say, you know, I've ruined my life, and I've done this to my life, and I've done this to my... And first I have to say, well, God is the God of restoration, because that's his deal, and he's so good at that, and, and he's awesome, and I don't know how he does it. It's like he's God or something. But I also have to say, it's not just your life. It's all of us. We're all in here. See, they're Christians working twice as hard as they need to be because the other person that's supposed to be doing that other part of the job is not doing it. And there's Christians that are in need because there are Christians that God has asked to provide for that need, and they're not listening. I mean, I had one friend at one point years ago um, say, you know, I've just been praying and praying and praying and praying for God to show me what I can do. I just want to do, I will do anything for him. I just want to serve him in some way. And she goes, just second, this other line. She came back on the line. She goes, oh, gosh, because that's the church again. They keep asking me if I will teach preschool. And I'm thinking, do you think? For a second that maybe you might need to teach preschool you know I mean it's just interesting how God will beep in and we'll just go oh well it's just uh, ignore it humility hears humility sees humility lifts the veil from our eyes in Proverbs 23 verse 26 it says something that is, well, it's one of my favorite scriptures. And of course, y'all all know I say that about every other scripture. But it says, My son, give me your heart and let your eyes keep to my ways. You know there's a difference between a gaze and a glance. And most of us, if we're really honest, we kind of glance at God. Like, oh, you still there, buddy? Okay. Oh, you still have a nice little thing for me to read every once in a while? Great. But we few times will really gaze at the scripture so much that we can almost look to another place and see it. Maddie in her architecture class, they're learning about the primary colors and the different colors and the the way that colors are really made up of colors. And if you stare at certain colors and look away onto a white sheet of paper, you'll actually see some of the primary colors. And I thought, wow, do I ever look at the word that much and meditate on the word that much that I see it in everything I do and everywhere I go. And it starts to change me from the inside out. And then I'm not working on myself. God's working on me. And the Holy Spirit is working on me. And the scriptures are doing it. And I'm not the one trying to do it. I'm not frustrated. God's doing it. Proverbs 4.20 says, and I think this is no mistake. My son, pay attention to my words. And then it says, don't let them depart from your eyes. Keep them in the midst of your heart, for they will be life to those that find them and health to all their flesh. Don't be wise in your own eyes. In other words, don't be prideful. But fear the Lord and shun evil. It will be health to your flesh and marrow to your bones. It's interesting that it says, son, pay attention to my words. Because, see, pay means that 
You've got to give something up. You've got to sacrifice something. And in order for us to pay attention to God's word, it is going to cost us something. It's going to cost us, at the very least, our time. But see, God says, if you seek first the kingdom of heaven, I'll add all that other stuff you're chasing after anyway. I can't tell you how many times it's been that I've needed to call all these people back. You know, when you have that list of like that kind of, it's not the people you want to call back. It's like the insurance company and AT&T and the doctor's office that's always like, can you help please? And you're like, do you, why do y'all answer the phone that way? Just don't answer it. Just don't answer it, you know? I will spend time with God, and that list will just go boom, 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 boom. I'll make all those calls. But the times that I say, no, I'm going to do my list first, and then God, whatever I have left in the day, you can have. Then my list is like banging your head against the house of mirrors in the carnival at the rodeo. Maddie said, I thought I'd never get out. I thought I would never get out. She said, it was like eerie how I was looking with my own eyes and I couldn't tell what was a hall and what was a wall and what was a mirror. It was all just perception and personal vision. And that's how we try to run in life. And God says, it's not by sight. It's by the Spirit. And yet many of us try to walk by sight and please God and God says look you can't even come to me but that you have faith so know that you can't please me but that you have faith and faith is that place of humility it's that childlike state of like God I don't understand it but I know it's true and it's not a state of non-evidence it's not a state of okay I'm not going to look for the evidence because I might find out it's not true. It's a state of saying, I don't know everything. I love experts in anything. An expert in anything, someone who knows all about chocolate cake or all about the solar system or all about, you know, just the human thumb or something. I mean, it just it fascinates me because then they know almost all there is to know, and yet when they talk to you, if they're really humble about things, they'll usually say, you know, the more I know, the more I know, I don't know. The more complex the solar system really is, the more complex the human thumb really is. I don't know how complex chocolate cake can be, but it's interesting how the more we can get into the word and the closer we become to Christ and to our relationship with him, it almost takes more faith, at least for me, because I realize how much I don't know. And I can study all the archaeological history. I realize that Jesus rising from the dead is one of the most provable things in history now, even by those who aren't believers. Um, looking at even where we think Noah's Ark is and all of the different sites and archaeological digs that we have, and I could go on and on and on, and it none of it matters. When you get close to the Holy Spirit, it's just faith and knowing, wow, I don't have the words to describe how real you really are, God. I mean, I look at the fact that this is a table and all the molecules are moving, but I can't see them moving, but you created them to be moving, and yet it's a solid, and yet we learn this in second grade science, and yet 
it should blow us all away, but it doesn't because we just take advantage of the fact that it's a table and it's going to hold this piece of paper, which is also moving. And we don't even think of fact of, you know, we're made up of these little tiny things. Blows me away. But I'm not daunted by it either because I know God and I know that he understands everything. And if I follow him, I can't go wrong. If I follow me, well, it's, it's just a toss of the dice. Seriously. If you follow someone else, it's also a toss of the dice. It can be the most nicest person. I don't care if it's Roy Rogers, and probably half the people hearing this don't even know who Roy Rogers is. I don't care who it is. I remember today Storm took a little guitar lesson, and he said, we got to get a guitar shield. He has this kind of raspy little voice. And I said, why? And he goes, because some guy named Willie Nelson, he picked a hole through his guitar. And I was like, do you know who Willie Nelson is? And he was like, no. I was thinking, oh, no. I've come to that age. We've all going to get there one day, the prune juice. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we just humble ourselves before you. We know that you know this state that we're in. You're mindful of it. God, help us to understand sometimes when we can't conceive of your word and when we can't seem to get anywhere with you and we're frustrated. Maybe we're just giving you our leftover time. We need to be giving you the best that we can. God, you've given us the best your son, and he's died in our place, and he's given us that. Admit one ticket. You know, each of us has to really humble ourselves before you and and receive him as our Lord. We have to first admit that we even need a Lord, that we even need a Savior. And we do that tonight, and we realize, you know, it's not a one-time deal. It's a daily deal. You don't change your shirt one time on a seven-day trip. God, help us to really change, to humble ourselves, to clothe ourselves, as it says in the Bible, with humility. Changing into that robes of humility every day. And help us then to receive your word, your truth, your blessing, your grace, your favor, your power, and your freedom. We hope that you've enjoyed Kathleen's message. To order a copy of this and other messages, please call us in San Antonio, Texas at 210-822-5500 or toll free outside the San Antonio area, 877-397-7773. That's 1-877-397-7773. Visit our website, KathleenWitten.org, K-A-T-H-L-E-E-N-W-H-I-T-T-E-N.org. Thank you.